Oh, well, good morning. Welcome to the Calling Community Church. My name is Pastor Brady Testorf. We're excited to be here today. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look to the person next to you and say these words. Say that, just repeat after me. Look at the person next to you. Of all the people in the world, you are one of them. And you're awesome. There you go. <laughs> that way at least somebody says something nice to you today when you came to church. We're excited that you're here. We have a special uh, privilege today. I'm going to have the opportunity to introduce him to you in just a moment. To hear from the pastor of this school. The shepherd over this building, his name is Dr. Chad Sayer. He'll be coming here in just a moment. And there's a couple reasons why I really look up to this guy. You'll see when he stands up here why I physically look up to this guy. And the fact that I respect what he, what he does, the work that he puts in, the heart that he has for the students that walk through this school. Not only the students, but the teachers as well. So we do have a few announcements we got to just cover real quick. If you have a bulletin, hopefully you got one of these. My wife labors late into the night putting these together. She's shaking her head. No, I don't. But she does put a lot of work into them. There is a little tear-off flap. We ask that you go ahead and tear that off. And we do think these things are very valuable because we want you to fill them out. If this is your first time here and you're a guest, uh, you can note that, note, note that on there and let us know that you're here. Give us your information if you want to. We will not stalk you. We promise we won't come to your house asking for anything. We won't actually come to your house and give you anything either, but we will send you notes, say thank you for coming today. We're glad you're here. And if you have a prayer request on the back of that form, you can please uh, write that out. We promise you that those get sent out. We pray over your needs uh, every week. And you might ask the question, well, what do I do with it when I'm done? Well, when you're leaving this morning, there'll be a basket at this door, and there'll be a basket at this door right over here, and you just drop it in the basket as you're leaving. If you um, are able to give today, and you, to give an offering or a tithe today, we do have an envelope provided for you to do that as well. And you might ask, well, what do I do with that? Well, you place that in the same basket as you're walking out the door. And then a little extra thing in your bulletin today, the minions are ready to go back to school. Hopefully you little minions out there, your students are ready to go back to school too. And on the back side of this is just some information about our church. Easy invitation to someone in the community. Say, hey, you know, we'd love for you to come to church. We have a church in the high school and we... This is just a great tool for you to pass out. And if you want some more of these, we do have some extra printed on the table as you leave today. Please sure to grab those. The bulletin does have some information just to encourage you to get connected, get involved. If you have never been baptized, like under the water, up out of the water, raised with life, with, in newness with Christ, if you've never been baptized, we're going to do that here in a few weeks, right here on this stage. We have a portable baptismal we'll bring in. And we want, to, we want to honor you in that and give you the opportunity to be baptized. So you, there's some information about how you can get a hold of me to say, Brady, I'm in. I want to do that. And then if you have a baby, and we're speaking of babies, we've got a whole new wave of babies coming to the church uh, coming December and, and uh, beyond that. But uh, right now, if you have a child that you say, I've never really dedicated this child to the Lord, we're going to be doing baby dedications next month. And so please let us know about that so we can prepare for you. And we'll give you the details on that. Okay, let's pray. Um, and then I'll introduce our, our, our guests. So, Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. Yes, this is your house. All things were created by you. You created this school not only to educate uh, young minds, but also to inspire us to take what it is we'll learn today and go out onto the streets 
to give it away so that other people can come to know this Jesus that we love so much. We thank you for the guests and visitors that are here today. We thank you for, for those who have invested their time and their efforts and their, their dollars to make this church a reality. We praise you for our guest speaker today. We thank you for the, uh, the gifts that you've given him and the message that you put on his heart to share with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you Dr. Chad Sayer, the principal here at Platte County High School. All right. That's a grand entrance, let me tell you. Thank you. Um, thank you again for being here. Uh, like uh, Brady shared, I... Uh, when I introduce myself, typically I do tell myself I'm the proud principal in uh, Platte County High School, but I'll tell you today, I can tell you right now, first and foremost, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, um, and secondly, I am a try to be a good dad and a good husband, um, and then thirdly, um, I am a principal here at the high school, and thank you again. This is my second time uh, speaking to you all. Um, I've already sent an email to myself saying, what the heck's going on with the air conditioner in here? Um, you need to get that fixed, so... Uh, I, I got that taken care of. Um, and the other thing also is uh, I got a text from Brady last night. Um, I wanted to make sure I knew what time to get here and what time I needed to show up. But uh, I think his, uh, his other piece of that message was um, you don't need to wear a suit this time. Um, so I dressed down today, but unfortunately I missed that memo as well. I already got to... I'm a little too principal-esque, so next time I'm going to show up in just shorts and just a t-shirt and just, just let it roll. Um, but yeah, Brady gave me a call and said, would you be, uh, kind of speak, be able to speak to the church and kind of share some of your testimony and what's on your heart? Um, and I absolutely am an honor. Um, I am not. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a believer in Jesus. I think he works with all our times, talents, and treasures, but I'm not a theologian, so please uh, give me a little grace today, as Jesus Christ gives us every single day, but um, he told me, you know, I asked him, I said, what are you coming off of? What are you, what are you guys doing in church, making sure I can kind of understand where, where you're at? One thing about educators, we need to know where our audience is, and, and, and he said, well, you just, we're working on the purpose-driven life, and uh, we're finishing that up, and I, I was like, wow, you know, it's like telling a group of educators that uh, we just got done reading the philosophical educational implications of Plato, Socrates, and Aristotle. Um, so I thought, wow, man, that's a hard position to be in the lineup um, coming off of Rick Warren and his great work. But um, I want to kind of incorporate some of those teachings and some of his message into what I'm speaking to you today about. And one of the things that really struck with me is I read that book when it first came out. We were talking this morning. It was about 15 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, and I read that. And at the time, I was much younger, um, a little in my young 30s. I wasn't married, didn't have kids. Um, I was still in the classroom. Um, I wasn't where I was at now. And, and, and opening that book up, I can tell you that... Uh, that book has more meaning to me now than, than, it, than it ever has. And um, that was important to me because one of the things my wife and I did when we first got, uh, we started dating is we read the, the love languages. I don't know if you've, the five love languages. I don't know if you've read that book. Um, and, and one of the things I really gravitated to, one of my love languages is acts of service. Um, that is just something that I've been wired to do, um, I think, my whole life. I think that's a blessing and a calling that God's given me. Um, because that's where I see value. That's where I see Jesus. Um, 
uh, portraying his, his will in my world. Um, so really, when I, when I started thinking about this, I really started gravitating to that purpose number four in the purpose-driven life is the servant's heart. Um, and kind of what I talked about is, I'm going to talk about three points today, um, and you can see them up on, this, up on the screen, but I'm talking about um, a legacy of action, the fruits of service, the, in the presence of God no matter what, and the servant's enemy, steal, kill, and destroy. These are things that I think God's put on my heart to share, um, but please, again, I'm not a theologian. I'm just kind of sharing you where, what I think God has shared with me. One of the things that he talks about is, you know, God's service uh, will build a legacy through your action. I think that's important. Rick Warren speaks about that, but also through the Bible and through the many of the disciples. And there's, I mean, I, there's examples of examples through how Jesus Christ plays himself out through the actions in our life. And on page 257 in uh, The Purpose Driven Life, it even stakes, makes that statement of Jesus measured greatness in terms of service, not status. And I think that's a powerful message to take away because I think so often in modern times that we talk about positional authority, uh, financial authority, political authority, and those, those are parts of the secular world. Those are things, those are structures that we build, but actions and the service of others is something that permeates everything. And I think that's an important piece as we think about what does it mean to be a servant? Because oftentimes being a servant is, you're not thanked. They go unseen. Many of these things happen that nobody will know about, except for Jesus Christ. That's an important piece to remember, because oftentimes we aren't rewarded for these acts of service. There's no grand award. There's no, um, you know, there's no ceremony for these things. These are daily actions that, that create this environment that we can praise the Lord through our actions. Now, one of the things that I talked about is um, I had a, a, an experience that came to light to me a couple of years ago. It was about, about five years ago, I want to say. Um, my mom brought me an article and said, hey, have you seen this? And I said, well, I, you know, I, I was home visiting. Of course, I haven't seen it. I don't, I don't, you know, I didn't read it, mom. So she gave it to me. And I was reading about it. It was about a, a man who lived in Monette. Um, his name was Winford Davis. And uh, I knew him. Um, I knew him throughout my life, um, but I really didn't know him. Because when I started talking about this, um, he was a free will Baptist minister. Um, and when, I, when he came into my life, he was, he was very elderly. Um, he was on the back end of his pastoral career. But one of the things that I did not know was this letter that he had written to the, to the Free Will Baptist, um, the national office. Because there was a piece of him that I had no idea was about. I met this man, I've lived, I worked with this man, I went to this man's church, and there was a piece of his service that I had no idea about. There were no awards. There were no ceremonies for this. What he did was, is that he was one of the champions of the early Free Will Baptist Church mo uh, movement in America, and one of the things I asked him to do, and one of his spiritual giftings was a church planner. That's what he did. That was his act of service. That was his legacy, was building churches. And that's a noble thing, and that's an awesome thing. And I was just, you know, I knew that about him. But one of the pieces I didn't know about is how far his reach really went. 
This paper came out from the uh, Free Will Baptist Church. It's called The Forgotten Days of Early Cuba. And what I learned about Reverend Davis is that he was one of the first missionaries to go to Cuba to start churches. This was even before Fidel Castro. Um, he went to Cuba. Not only did he go to Cuba, but he went to Cuba in 1942 to 1944. And those of you that are student history know that that was a very, very difficult time in the world as World War II had just started to ramp up. Take a look on the overhead. I kind of took a piece of um, this letter that he wrote to the, to, the, to the Baptist ministry. And I just was shocked that I've been in the room in the presence with this man. And this is what he did. He talked about in January 23rd, 1942, he boarded a, a ship in Miami to go to Cuba to spread God's word. But they had to zigzag all the way there because German U-boats were, were destroying ships. I bring this up to you because I think of, when you think of acts of service, while people do put their lives on the line, and it happens today and it's going to happen many times in the future, I am comforted to know that my life is not in danger to spread God's word right now. However, in his act of service it was. There was no awards, no ceremony, but that legacy. I also want to point out this right here. We were conscious of the danger, of course, but far greater than that, we were keenly conscious of the divine presence and protection of the Lord. Wow. That statement rocked me when I learned that. I've been in the room with this man. I've talked to him. I never knew that. Talk about being a servant of the Lord. Over time, Reverend Davis had many opportunities. He was all over the place. He was a, he was a big wig in the church, if you will, the national church. Um, he did a lot of things when he built his legacy. But one of the things in this letter that he wrote about was the decision to leave the church. It says right here. I'll read it to you. They asked him to stay in Nashville. They wanted to come work for the national office, and they wanted him to work in Nashville. And so what he did was he really contemplated, really reflected, really tried to understand what his role was and what his legacy would be because he was a servant's heart. He was a church planner. That's what he did. But then he said this. By this time, my wife and I had two small boys. I could not see myself moving into this large city with my family and leaving them alone to a greater part of the time with my boys to grow up in a big city atmosphere and surroundings with no daddy at home. Oftentimes in Rick Warren's book, it talks about you need to take your shape. You need to take the shape that God has given you. And oftentimes that shape changes but the work doesn't. That challenged me because this was a great man. He could touch thousands of lives, but he chose to step away and raise a family and be a dad. Came back to Monette, 
Um, I had a chance to go uh, visit on his farm many times. This is what he did when he went back to Monette. Remember, in my mind, I thought he left his legacy. He walked away from it. His servant's heart was complete. But little did I understand and know about this man is that that's when it just started. Now, one thing that the Bible talks to us about and something that, you know, that we talk about the servant's heart is don't ever compare, all right? So I'm going to tell you, Brady, right now, don't compare yourself to this, okay? But I'm going to read some stats about Reverend Winfred Davis. He died at the age of 93. He was, it was in 1997. I, was a col- I just graduated college. Um, he preached for 70 years. He pastored for 60. 60 years a pastor. 9,100 sermons. He brought over 12, well, 2,170 people to Christ. Organized 13 churches. Helped establish a statewide magazine for the Free Will Baptist Ministry. It was on the National Board of Education for the Free Will Baptist Community. That's what he did in Monette. His legacy is of servitude. In my mind, I thought it ended. But what the Bible tells us is that it can begin. That God can put you in a spot, no matter where you are, and you can be a servant. Because take a look at that picture. That's 1957 from the Monat Times, and he's celebrating his 34th year at Macedonia. That's a little church that I remember going to. Beautiful church set in the Ozark Mountains. Nothing around for miles. He charted a church there, and it's probably one of the most popular in southwest Missouri. Remember, a legacy of servitude. Take a look at those, that picture. You remember when he said he went back to Monette to raise his two boys? There they are right there. Jim Davis and Rick Davis. Remember, his, his legacy just started. Because see that young man right there, sitting behind him in that church pew, married a young woman from Monette. Her name was Linda Sayer. That's my dad. I thought his legacy ended, but his legacy just started. I got a chance to soak in this beautiful family of the Davises. You know, while he was my stepdad, I knew God created him in my life and put him in me because he was still serving. Now, one of the things that challenged me, I was a young man graduating college, is that his mind left way before his body. And I struggled with that. How can a man that saved 2,100 people completely lose that memory? I struggled with that. But after reading The Purpose Driven Life, one of the things that, it really, that really taught me and really kind of made me reflect is the fact that Oftentimes, we think to be a servant, we have to do our plan. We have to do our will. And it's God's will. It's God's plan. And while I don't understand it, 
My grandfather built a legacy. I remember having old school revivals. I don't know if you see those very much anymore, but I remember on his acre, he had a 300-acre farm down by Monette, and we would put the tent out in the middle of the field. And I mean, I was probably 13, 12 at the time, didn't understand, but I mean, there was probably 2,000 people showing up for a week. I couldn't believe it. Um, But this is the man that crafted my legacy. Because remember... This is what he ended that letter with. Yours for the salvation of the lost of the world. What an amazing man who lived through Christ. Humbly submitted Winford Davis. I show that with you because there's no awards. There's no ceremony. But let me tell you, this guy is in heaven. He is at the foot of God. Because as you can tell, he sure didn't make the salary here on earth. No awards, no ceremony, and definitely not the salary. But he wanted to leave a legacy. So I'm standing in front of you today, the fact that, you know, Pastor Brady talked about how um, I get the privilege and opportunity to be the, the leader of this building while I see myself as more of a, of a team of leaders Had I not had him in my life and my father in my life, I wouldn't be here today sharing, hopefully building a legacy for this community. His legacy changed. His servitude changed, but it carries on to this day. So my challenge to you is, what is your legacy of servant? Even though we think it's different, even though we know it changes, it will continue on if you do it in the faith of God. And that's the lesson I learned from my grandpa. Number two, God's purpose. Servant's purpose. God's service, excuse me, in God's service you will always be in his presence. And this really kind of shocked me because I can tell you as a professional, um, as I was growing through this, I really struggled with this. And I continue to struggle today, being honest with you. Is that, um, how do you continue to be in the presence of him when you're in servitude and give it to him when you're in the daily grind of what your life looks like. Rick wrote about this on page 258. You can read it on the slide. Um, he talked about um, how your ministry should be taking the shape of your times, talents, and treasures to build that, that uh, servitude, but your secondary service is where you're needed in the moment. And what I think that means to me is God has given me time, talents, and treasures. And oftentimes, I get hung up in the moment and fail to use those and recognize those and lean on those. As a high school public administrator, public school administrator, I get drawn into millions of different ways. And oftentimes, that's a struggle. Meetings, deadlines, curriculum, whatever it is. How do you be in the presence of the Lord in those moments? And I really struggled with that. Again, the purpose-driven life really made me think and reflect. And there was one guy that I think kind of had a good good way to figure this out. His name was Brother Lawrence. And I don't know, this is a book that was given to me um, by my pastor, uh, Michael Lazio, Bethel House of Prayer. 
Um, it's a tiny little book. And it's by, uh, his name was again, Brother Lawrence. He lived from 1611 to 1691. And he was a monk. And when I read this book, of a humble dishwasher in a monastery, totally figured out how to be in the presence of God in every single moment. In the 1600s, a dishwasher. Can you imagine what that life was like? And he had figured it out. This is a great little book. Um, I'm not one to promote products, but certainly if you struggle with this idea of how to be in the presence of God in the moment, this is a series of letters that he wrote to the, to the, Catholic, um, uh, to the Catholic bishop at the time um, where he talks about how he had abandoned everything. He had abandoned everything, everything he believed because he wanted to be in the presence of the Lord in every moment. This is what he wrote. It was a series of letters, but this is one of the things he wrote. He said, let us think often that our only business in this life is to please God. Perhaps all besides is but folly and vanity. I found myself reflecting in no moment when I am not thinking about the business of God, the process and what he's trying to tell me in my life. I am falling into folly and vanity. I'm looking for awards recognitions. That's not what servitude is about. It's about being in the presence of God through your daily actions. This is a little piece of humor. I don't know how you do, you know, humor in 1600, probably is a little bit different, but if you read this, I think it kind of captured what he was talking about. Lord of all pots and pans and things, make me a saint by getting the meals and washing up the plates. He talked about having a continuous conversation with the Lord every single day and every single moment. When he was washing dishes, it talked about how he would concentrate and think, how is this glorifying God? I struggled with that. When I'm in a meeting or when I'm talking to a, a student or, or dealing with a challenging situation, how is that fulfilling my servitude and being a reflection of the Lord? That's where my mind should be, and oftentimes I get caught up in so many other things of vanity and folly. Brother Lawrence challenged me. Because what it taught me, and what I read in his, is that he had challenges. This is the last point I'm going to bring up. This isn't a new idea, this is something that we know. But if we're truly walking in the presence of God and we have a servant's heart, if you truly are doing that, the enemy is going to try to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, oftentimes what I struggle with, I don't really, you know, and I don't know what this looks like in your life. I know what it looks in my life. But really often what I find is that he steals things from me. He steals that moment that I can have with a student. He steals that moment that I could be the light in the darkness. 
He steals that moment from me. When I think about my grandpa getting on that ship, knowing that there's Nazi U-boats in the water, and he still went. I compare myself to that. But that's not God's will. That's not my service. God, the enemy tries to steal that from me. If you truly are trying to serve the Lord and you're doing it in the presence of God, there are going to be challenges from the enemy. That's why we have to stay true to them. Brother Lawrence figured that out in a real and tangible way for me. This is what he wrote. As for what passes in me at present, I cannot express it. I have no pain or difficulty about my state because I have no will but that of God, which I endeavor to accomplish in all things and to which I have resigned that I would not take up a straw from the ground against his order or from any other motive than purely that love of him. I take up straws off the ground because I don't do his will. We all fall short in the eyes of God. And this is one of the things that challenges me, and I think Rick Warren's book really challenged me to think about, is when I think of the servant's heart, I often pick up straw of folly. How do we push through that? Take a look on the slide right there. If my identity isn't rooted in Christ, then my service is just busyness propped up by pride. When you talk about the purpose-driven life, these are the things you, need, you can possibly think about and reflect. I'm going to wrap up. I don't know how much time. I'm going to quickly wrap this up. Okay. Because I want to share something with you as we go into this, this hectic time of our lives at the beginning of school. I have servant heart. I can tell you as a community member, as a building leader, and somebody who works closely in this district, you have many, many people across this wonderful school district and across many school districts in this area that have a servant's heart for the Lord. And as we go into this season, again, if they're truly walking in the faith of God, the enemy is going to try to steal, kill, and destroy. Next week, we have an opportunity to, on Sunday to um, pray over the schools. This is something I've been doing for many, uh, I don't know, five years, I think. I know Brady has been a part of that. I know many of the church members here have been part of that. I, I implore you to please come out and pray for our schools because we have many people with a servant's heart. We have to pray to protect them. We have to pray to give them the strength and the courage this isn't just teachers or administrators, but also students. They're the most important. 
And if they're working and serving their Lord, imagine the prayers that they need. So I challenge you to take you up on that. Service can look many different ways. You can come to the schools. You can be part of a child's life. You can mentor. You can be a good husband, good wife, good mom and dad. Whatever that servitude is for you, I challenge you to think about the servants that are in the field today, like my grandfather. Pray for these servants in our profession. Pray for those people in our community. I think Rick Warren would ask us and challenge us to think that, in my mind, I think the servant's heart is what gets us through that tough moment. Um, You know, I tell people, talk is cheap, actions are expensive. Um, the servant's heart is not one for the weak it's not one for the weary it's one for the strength of the Lord I want to thank you again for your time today again think about this this time in our season as we gear up for school and the prayer for the servants that try to um, minister over our kids and um, one last thing I just want to share with you uh, we talked about this right before we came in during our prayer time. Um, I think one, one of the men, gentlemen, asked me, um, I can't remember who, uh, asked me, what's, what's your thing for the year? What do you, what do you, what's your vision? What do you think for the year? And I go back to an administrator meeting we had um, a couple weeks ago, and I think Dr. Reich, superintendent of schools, really kind of captured it, and he talked about this being a renaissance for Platte County R3. It's a renaissance. There's a, there's, there's, there's a new evolution, a, 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 um, a way to be who we are, who we have been moving forward. This is going to be, um, so I really, uh, I really, really need your prayers. I think we certainly want to make sure that we're doing this for the Lord and for the Lord's purpose. So if you have to pray, if that's your servitude, please pray for those things for our school. Um, thank you again for letting me be in here. God bless all of you. Um, and uh, turn it over to Pastor Testor. Thank you. So I'm going to have Dr. Sayer stand right here in front of the cross. If you serve in school, in any, at any school, at any capacity, um, I want you to come forward. So if you're a teacher, you work in the lunchroom, you're a nurse, you're a janitor, uh, whatever capacity that you serve, I want you to come forward. Just gather around. And my wife is going to come. And she's, we've, we have something for you because I was listening to, uh, I was listening to Dr. Sayer. He talked about uh, servants and, and believe that uh, not, not, even if you're a guest and you serve, you don't have to be a, so if you're here, I know there was a, where is she at? Oh, she's here. Good. I met the, I met the nurse here at the school. I was like, where is she at? Make sure she's here. All right. Nobody be shy. 
Um, we have something for you because he was talking about a lot of times servants go unrewarded. Well, not here, not today, because <laughs> um, we have a gift for you. Because we also uh, recognize that service requires sacrifice, and it costs you something to to serve, and you're always going to be giving. And a lot of times, um, in giving, uh, there's, there's all kinds of things you receive that we cannot see. But we wanted you to receive something that you can see and that you can hold on to and hopefully is a blessing to you. One of the gifts that we have of being in this building is that we don't have a ton of overhead. And then we're able then to bless the community with what God's given us. And so we're honored that we get a chance to do that for you. And there's, I know there's other teachers in our in our church that aren't going to be able to be here today, but we'll be able to bless them later on. But I want to then ask if you are here and you're a family member of this person, I want you to come up here. So if you have any family members of these, come forward and be with them. The kids are like, what? I don't know. Should I come? So this is their uh, first and most important ministry that they have is the people close to them and that's their support staff. <laughs> but then also, um, then as if you're a part of this community, then you have other people in the church that are, that are around you and gathering around you to support you and pray for you. So he was talking about prayer time. Well, next Sunday evening at 7 o'clock, we will be uh, gathering in front of the high school at the flagpole, and then we'll spread out. We'll pray for all, all of the schools. And then um, actually next week when you come to church, this part of the service, we're actually going to go out and we're going to pray through all the hallways of this building. And we're just going to ask God to have his way here in this school. Maybe you've heard me say it, and I'll say, continue to say it till it's true. A vision has been given that 80% of the kids will walk in the hallways of the school be followers of Jesus. That's, that has been confirmed by two different people over the years. And so I think it's pretty strategic that we're here in this building now, praising the name of the Lord and lifting up God's, uh, God's name and his word. So just one last thing. If you, if you say, I want to I just be a part of his gathering around these people and praying for them, I'll ask you to come forward, and then we're going to pray. So if you want to come and pray for these people, so you get up and come now. So actions are uh, expensive, so that means you actually have to move. <laughs> Cost you something, some energy. And then if you, then right where you're at, you guys can pray too. So let's make sure everyone has someone. And then uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask them specifically what it is maybe they need prayer for this year and make sure everybody gets, gets some of that. And then we'll, we'll worship together and we'll be done. Scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 4 that the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength 
that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So Lord, we ask for these saints to be true in the lives of these that are servants in the buildings that they will be, uh, be in this year, whatever role that you have uh, called them to in this season, that they would be ministers of your grace in its varied forms, whether it be the principal, whether it be someone who is um, picking up straw in the hallways, has been tracked in by students, and for them to all realize that what they do is significant, what they do uh, is actually building a legacy by serving one student at a time, by um, by taking a little extra time to show hospitality to to when they want to grumble instead they put a smile on their face and they instead uh, spread some joy that they realize that is a legacy being built in that person so that they can that person will go out and give it away too so God we pray for physical protection of these teachers pray for physical protection over our schools, God, that we would not allow any evil to come in. When I pray for students, I think about students that are struggling at home and, and they're hurting and they come and they they might be tempted to, to release some of their frustration on, on those who love them and are caring for them and trying to help them. God, I pray that you would, um, would be just be a barrier to that. God, that instead uh, they would find safe places to express themselves and, and find the help that they need. I pray for students that come in these buildings that are hungry. God, that you would feed them, not only just with a meal, but God, that you would meet their spiritual need, that they come in empty and you would fill them. And they, and they would ask, where is this coming from? I don't, I've never felt like this before. And it's because your presence is, is in this place. I pray for families who who sacrifice and who give uh, to allow these teachers and these administrators and the support staff to do what they, that they've been called to do. We thank you for this gift that we're able to provide them, though it's not what they probably deserve. God, it'll be something that, they, that they're able to use um, to serve those that you've given them to serve, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.